the Bears need a wide receiver one. We've continued to talk about this, right? Can't have Dante Pettis and Nikhil Harry running around trying to catch passes. It's not a good thing. So if you're Ryan Poles, are you picking up the phone and just kicking the tires on DJ Moore, seeing what the price is? Or are you biding your time until the offseason and letting this thing play out? Seriously, though, can we go get Justin Fields some weapons? Ryan Poles, are you listening? Let's go get a wide receiver one. Maybe DJ Moore of the Panthers is available. We pose that question here coming up a little bit later in the program. But first and foremost, it's the Bears Wire podcast. Great to have you with us. And really quick off the top, if you're finding us for the first time, maybe online via the Bears Wire, you you can subscribe and you can listen along each week wherever you get your podcast. You just got to search for the Bears Wire. We should pop right up. And one click of a button to get our little podcast right on your phone each week. I mean, Alyssa, who wouldn't want that? Every single week when this show publishes, I think it's every Thursday, right on your phone, you can listen to you and I talk about Bears football. Who wouldn't want that right on their phone? I mean, I think everyone would. I mean, we, we tend to make Bears talk, especially how depressing it can be sometimes. We, we make it fun and entertaining, or at least we try to, or we just kind of just make it a therapy session. So we are your home for Bears therapy sessions. How about that? Yeah, we, we tend to have a lot of negative topics, but we try to keep it fun as we talk about all the negativity. <laughs> so that's kind of what our show is. But uh, And we're going to try very hard in this episode to do the same. That voice was Alyssa Barbieri. She is the uh, managing editor of USA Today's Bears Wire. I'm Ryan O'Leary playing host. Thanks again for hopping on board. Uh, right off the jump here, Alyssa, was this the best game of Justin Fields' career as head coach Matt Eberflus called it? Do you agree with that? He was efficient, right? 15 of 21, including some blatant drops, which we'll get to here coming up. Uh, 15 of 21, 10 yards for completion, uh, or 10 yards per completion, I should say, sorry. One touchdown, no picks, 118.8 quarterback rating, eight rushes for 47 yards, actually led the team in rushing. Uh, I thought for Justin Fields, Alyssa, prototype kind of game, right? This is what we wanted coming into the season. Show some poise, make some plays, keep your team in it have a chance to win at the end. Now, inevitably, your team will let you down because this is the, the Bears and this is our 2022 roster, right? It's just not good enough. So eventually, the the attempt to win will be foiled by some crap happening at the end and it will be a losing effort. But this is kind of what the prototype game was, right? We wanted to see this kind of stuff from field, stuff that made us hopeful for the future. Yeah, this was a different kind of loss. It wasn't demoralizing, which is something that we've experienced so far this season. And, you know, even in the win against Houston, it was hard to kind of come out of that game and feel confident about where this team was headed. I mean, and last week, I mean, the difference between the losses against the Giants and the Vikings are just massive. And it's because, like you mentioned, Justin Fields and how he did take a step forward in his development. And let's be real, the Bears are a lot of fun when Justin Fields is playing well, because this is a team that's not built to win right now. It's all about development this season. And given the circumstances that Fields has been has been dealt uh, this season with, the offensive line, the lack of weapons, a first-time play caller in Luke Getze, and learning a new scheme his second since joining the NFL. I mean, that's a really rough situation. And I believe, Ryan, we talked about before the season that if Justin Fields could go in and succeed despite everything around him, it's going to make him even more impressive. And like you mentioned, in this game, it was he looked different than he has all season. He looked the most comfortable I've seen him all year. And Fields even said that after the game himself, you know, you could see even in the pocket, it wasn't always clean, but even when the times when it was or when it wasn't, he was still making things happen. 
He wasn't, you know, looking at receivers and hesitating. He was seeing the receiver when they were open, ripping the ball, and he was making good decisions, which was something that we haven't seen this season. So, I mean, it's really fun to watch this team, even when they're losing, where it's hard to come away uh, from this loss and not feel good, which sounds kind of weird because losing is not supposed to be fun. But when you're not supposed to win, I'm okay with it. We'll take a moral victory. Why not? We'll take it. Uh, Moral yeah. victory. There it is. <laughs> good. It was good to see Fields, you know, after a loss, less in the dumps afterwards, right? He kind of knew that he played better. He was kind of more, he was happier with his play, I think, than what we've seen in the past, than what we saw post-game in the Giants when he was miserable in the post-game and kind of putting it on his shoulders, right? Um, that was good to see. Another thing that was good to see, because we have been, you know, taking shots at the play calling and how conservative it's been, Alyssa, rightfully so. Uh, the coaches were more aggressive. The game plan was better in this game. Now, here's the question, though. Are the coaches really showing more trust in their quarterback and they're seeing something from him and, and that's giving them more confidence and there's confidence all the way around? Or were you just down 21 to three, had a really bad start and had, a, and had to open things up a little bit more, right? Because the Bears were noticeably more balanced, which I've been calling for. Fields, 21 pass attempts. The running backs only had 16 carries. That's a season low when you put together Herbert and Montgomery and then we can even throw in Ebner when he got in and Montgomery was out. The running backs are getting 23 to 24 carries a game. That's not even total touches. That's carries. 23 to 24. They only had 16 in this game. The running game wasn't really working. So they did go to the pass. And that's good, right? But are we building a mutual trust here, Alyssa? Or was that purely game script, right? I think that's the question I'm asking after this ball game. Yeah, no, that's a good question. I think it's a combination uh, of a lot of things. I mean, when they were down 21 points, of course, you're going to have to start throwing the ball, which is kind of the opposite of what we saw against Green Bay uh, in that loss when they were trailing and they just kind of pounded the rock. But I mean, at some point, these coaches were going to have to put a little trust in fields. And you even saw it early, like in the first drive, despite how that started, which was a mess. Um, you, you saw that they were throwing it more, which is against what the, what they've been doing. But again, when defenses are game planning for the Bears, they know what they have to do is stop the run. They have to take away Dib Montgomery and Khalil Herber and make Justin Fields beat you. Uh, and unfortunately for the Vikings, you know, he, he almost did uh, uh, heading into the second half as well. And it was really encouraging to see him and, the performance that he had because this was, you know, a really good Vikings defense, a really good Vikings team that he was able to do it on the road in a hostile environment, uh, especially given how this season has gone for him, where he has looked, and we've talked about this after some of the games, like the Packers game and the Giants loss, how he just looked, he just looked just broken. And to see that he was able to bounce back from that and to see how the coaches, like you mentioned, and Luke Getze called a much better game here. And starting, it shows that good things happen when you throw the football, right? We are in, we're not in the 1980s. We're, we're, we're running, we're running all the time. You need to start letting your quarterback take shots down the field. But again, he doesn't have the, the weapons outside of Darnell Mooney, which is why you kind of saw him try to force some things to Mooney. And I think that's been the case all season, actually. And one of the things I really enjoyed in this game was that they got Cole Komet involved in the passing game, which is something he's been like non-existent. Finally, he's been there solely yes. <laughs> for blocking purposes because I mean, let's be real. They've been running the ball most of the year. So like when you see him get involved, it wasn't like otherworldly numbers. He had four catches for 45 yards, but you see what he can do. He's a security blanket for fields. He's someone that feels, feels comfortable going to who he knows is going to be open. And he's someone who can run through defenders and pick up those extra yards for first downs as we saw in this game where he picked up a couple of clutch third downs 
And that's really important for Fields to have because right now it's Darnell Mooney and Cole Komet. And then there are a whole bunch of other guys out there that probably won't be on this team next year. Yep. And we have some thoughts on that here coming up just a little bit later in the show. You're not going to want to miss that. <clears throat> Dante Pettis. We'll talk about that. Um, I wanted to give the coaching staff a few more flowers, Alyssa, right? Uh, in our positive portion of the segment. Don't worry, folks. The critical analysis is coming later on. Uh, we did see adjustments, right? Because here's just a quick side story, right? I helped my dad. My dad's in this old man softball league. He's still playing. I don't, I don't know how he's doing it, but he's still playing. He's in his 60s. Still playing softball. And they they made him play uh, fantasy football with them this year. He had never played fantasy. I helped him in his draft. And uh, our first round pick for him was Justin Jefferson. And as soon as Jalen Johnson was out, Alyssa, I told my dad, I texted him. I said, hey, Justin Jefferson's going off. He don't, he's going to go off. Watch him go off in this game. Because I do not know how the Bears are going to cover this man. And after the first quarter, when he had something like, seven catches on seven targets for a hundred yards. My dad's like, Oh, oh," you know, he's like, yeah, you called that. It wasn't hard to call, but I got to give the bears coaches credit, right? Because when it was just disastrous, that start, they could not cover Justin Jefferson. That's the Vikings bread and butter. Alyssa. It was like horrible, but they did adjust, right? I thought, uh, Eberflus put Kendall Vildor basically had him shadowing Justin Jefferson. Now you tell me, cause I know you probably know better than me, me watching, the highlights and trying to figure out X's and O's is not a good thing. But Kendall Vildor, I, if you would have told me that would be the plan on Justin Jefferson, I would have said, oh, no, don't do it. But he held up pretty well, right? He started shadowing Jefferson around. I think they gave him some help. And they really did a better job. And now Jefferson had a good game, but they took away the Vikings bread and butter. They slowed things down. They actually were able to make some stops and gave the offense a chance to come back in. And all of a sudden, the Bears are erasing an 18-point deficit and I want to give the coaches some credit for that, right? Because it was going horribly at the beginning, but it got better later on. What did you see there? What, what did you see in terms of like coaching and some, some of the adjustments, adjustments they made and, and some of the things the defense was able to do as the Bears made their comeback? Yeah, I think the thing that we've learned so far through five games this season is that the Bears are a second-half football team. I mean, they've had some brutal first halves. Yes. And, yep. they've, I, and it's nice to see Matt Eberflus's team fight back, like, Unlike, you know, some former coaches, whether it's Matt Nagy or like Mark Trestman going further back, where sometimes it would seem like there were like with Matt Nagy, there were no adjustments made at halftime and things would go from bad to worse. And the thing that you you have to give Eberflus credit for and for the rest of the coaches is that they're getting these guys uh, ready. They're making those adjustments that need to be made. And like you said, that first half was just absolutely brutal. I was like, they're going to put 50 points on them. I was just like, they're, they're going to put 50. It's, it's going to yep. be quick. I mean, yep. what Jefferson had. 10 catches for 138 yards in the first half. I'm like, oh, no, he's going off for 300 uh-huh. or something. Kirk Cousins completed his first 17 passes, which was just ridiculous. And to, and I was I was like, this game's over. But to see them, like, after the Vikings had scored three consecutive touchdowns, the defense came out, made four straight stops, right, until that last drive when, I mean, that was, that was a good drive by the Vikings, that 17-play drive that milked seven minutes off the clock ended with a touchdown but like you said you have to give credit for you know to the coaches and to the players too for really adjusting and limiting Justin Jefferson because I mean we knew with Jalen Johnson not being able to go in this game that they were going to pick they're going to pick on everybody and that's what the Vikings did in the first half they really moved Jefferson around all over the place you know they had it they moved it from side to side on the outside and in the slot and they were just he he was eating on whoever was who was covering him whether it was Kyler Gordon or Kendall Vildor or Jalen Jones who should probably not be on a football field. Uh, and I suspect when Jalen Johnson comes back, we're not going to see much Jalen Jones at all. So 
I mean, but credit credit to what Jefferson did, but also credit to what, how the Bears were able to make those adjustments and and really limit him. I think he only had, I'm not sure, what was it? Like, I don't know, 20 yards in the second half yeah, or something? It two, was very like two limited, more catches which something. is good. Yeah, it was only like two more catches. Um, yeah, two more catches. And like you said, Kendall Vildor is someone who, I mean, you think back to last year, and we're talking, we've talked about how Kyler Gordon has been picked on this year and how he's come under fire. I mean, that, that was Kendall Vildor last year. When, you know, Jalen Johnson, again, he's the guy that's over there on an island. No one's going after him because when you have someone to pick on that, that's what you do. And so Kendall Vildor has really impressed me this season. These last three games with Jalen being out. I mean, it's impressive. He had his first uh, career interception, too, on a big, a big play in the game that led to three points that really kept the Bears in this thing. So, I mean, you have to get up for Kendall Vildor and, and this defense and how they responded in the second half. Yeah, it was a great a great day for Vildor. You had that post on Bears Wire where uh, he was the Bears' highest rated defensive player on PFF, maybe, maybe offense and defense, right? He might have been their highest graded player in the game. Uh, that's good stuff. Good for him. And and I do like, I just like the adjustments. Eberflus is not saying, all right, you're my corner on the right, you're my corner on the left. Like, if the Vikings want to move Jefferson all over the lineup, like, uh, you know, like kind of the Cooper Cup factor, and they want to do that thing and put him in the slot and put him outside and move him around then you should move your best corners around with them and, and move move with Justin Jefferson. Don't just leave guys in the same spot. So the fact that they were able to do that was um, was good. It was good stuff. So that's that's enough positivity, Alyssa. This was a loss, right? We're not going to harp on a moral victory. Uh, there was some stuff that you know kind of stuck in our craw that we'll get to with our questions of the week right after this. This is the Typico Sportsbook Fantasy Minute. Let's make this interesting. Interesting. Corey Benini with TheHuddle.com here to bring you strong plays for week number six. Seattle Seahawks quarterback Geno Smith versus the Arizona Cardinals. We have officially reached let Geno cook territory after the journeyman tossed three touchdowns in a week five loss to the New Orleans Saints. Over the past three games, Smith has averaged 304 yards passing and he has thrown seven touchdowns against just one interception. While the Cardinals have played better since a woeful week one, they will present a stiffer challenge than the likes of the Lions or the Saints. Nevertheless, ride the hot hand. Smith has a pretty good matchup overall and is a decent bet for 250 plus yards and at least two touchdowns. Washington Commanders running back Brian Robinson at the Chicago Bears. On one hand, it was a fantastic sight to witness Robinson return from his offseason gunshot wounds to lead the backfield in carries and yardage. On the other hand, those numbers were nine attempts for 22 yards, and he had no role in the receiving game. Chicago has allowed the fifth most rushing yards on the second most carries, and the position has scored four times through five weeks. Since it's unlikely Chicago's offense can put up enough points to force a pass-heavy script, Robinson is shaping up to be a quality play on the ground. Wide receiver Darnell Mooney versus the Washington Commanders. Mooney is a low-volume fantasy option, and he's better utilized in non-PPR settings. This matchup aligns perfectly with that profile too as the commanders have done a decent job of limiting catches but have allowed big plays along the way. This is the number one matchup in fantasy points per touch, number two for yards per reception, number five for yardage generated, and number three for the ease of scoring among wideouts. If Mooney cannot make some noise in this one, He's barely worthy of a roster spot going forward. Cleveland Browns tight end David Njoku versus the New England Patriots. After a slow start to 2022, Njoku has emerged as one of the stronger fantasy plays in the last three weeks, particularly in PPR scoring. He has no fewer than five catches for 73 yards in any of those last three games, and this week he faces one of the more favorable opponents for his position. New England has allowed a touchdown per game on average to tight ends, but that's really about where the success has ended for all but Mark Andrews after he posted two scores in 89 yards. The next closest performance is four catches 22 
22 yards on the touchdown. But the Patriots will focus extensive attention to both the backfield and Amari Cooper, freeing up Njoku across the middle to move the chain. Don't expect a huge game, but something around 50 yards on the touchdown is certainly well within reach. For more award-winning fantasy football news, tips, and advice, please be sure to check out thehuddle.com. That was your typical sportsbook fantasy minute. Win your fantasy football league with thehuddle.com and use them to dominate player prop bets at Typico Sportsbook. For a limited time, new Typico Sportsbook users in Colorado and New Jersey from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus. Get your bonus today at usatodaybet.com slash podcast. That's usatodaybet.com slash podcast. See typico.com for terms and conditions. 21 plus only gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey. 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado. All right, it's our questions of the week. Three uh, hot take inspiring questions for Alyssa Barbieri. She's always ready. I'm not even going to ask if you're ready, Alyssa. I know you're ready to go. Uh, Here's question number one for you. Guys failing to make plays. Dante Pettis. Sorry, I have that frog in my throat, Alyssa. It keeps happening. Uh, Guys failing to make plays for Justin Fields has been a major issue, right? And Pettis, Dante Pettis. He played 60% of the offensive snaps and netted us two drops on two targets. And they were two blatant drops in key situations. Like, weren't they third down throws? Right in his freaking hands. Like, leaping up in the air and can't come down with it. It's like, my gosh. So, Alyssa, if there's an anti-Dante Pettis train, I'm hopping on board. I think there's one forming uh, with Bears fans. And I I want on board the anti-Dante Pettis train. I've seen enough. Have you? That's the question. Have you seen enough? And is it time to make Valus Jones, who is much more productive with his three offensive snaps, uh, is it time to see more Valus Jones and maybe kick the tires on Nikhil Harry whenever he's ready since he has been uh, activated from IR? Um, and should we see significantly less Dante Pettis going forward? What do you think? Uh, I definitely think so. I saw enough of Dante Pettis last week. And I mean, the only reason we're really seeing him because he's the fifth, sixth receiver. I mean, you had Byron Pringle going to IR. Nikhil Harry was on IR before the start of the season. And Bayless Jones was, you know, he was out for four games or three games with uh, that hamstring injury. So, I mean, you're forced to use these guys, right? Equinania, St. Brown, Darnell Mooney, and Dante Pettis are your top guys. So I've seen enough because like you said, in that game, your job as a receiver is to catch the football. Like, I don't care if the ball is not perfect because it's not going to be perfect every time. But with for Pettis, when you saw when you see the ball hit his hands and he's not making those plays and hauling it in, especially on third downs, because some of those, a couple of those throws from Justin Fields were really good, right on the money. You need to catch that football. And he should not be playing. And this kind of goes back to what we've been talking about all season with the fact that they don't have the personnel there on this roster for Justin Fields to find success consistently you look around the league and all these receiving cores i mean right now like we said fields probably has darnell mooney like that is it at receiver and that's why you kind of see him sometimes forcing throws to mooney because when you go to dante pettis and he drops it last week against the giants or when you go to dante pettis in this game and he drops both of them and that was the last time you saw pettis uh, or you saw fields targeting pettis in that game because those came uh pretty early on and it's just he should not be out there for him. Uh, he was someone that was going to be a special teams contributor. But given the circumstances, they were forced to use him. And like you said, I've been pounding the table for Bayless Jones since last week to get more op- opportunities on offense. And last week when he made uh, his debut after missing the first three games with um, with that hamstring injury, he saw no offensive snaps. This game, hey, you put him in this very first offensive snap, one catch, first career catch, touchdown, Right. I mean, that's why you drafted this guy in the third round. You need to get him more involved on offense. I know they're probably trying to play it safe with him because he is coming back from that soft tissue injury, and you want to play it safe. But at the same time, you need to start getting him involved 
he's someone that Justin Fields was really connecting with in training camp. And then you mentioned Nikhil Harry. You know, he was activated off IR this week. I don't know if he's going to go on Thursday, but hey, Ryan, I know he's playing your Patriots. Uh, it could be the Patriots are next on deck on Monday night. So I don't know. Could we be in for a big, see a big game from Nikhil Harry? Revenge game incoming? No. <laughs> you, you will not. You will no, you, he's like, no, no. Yeah, you know my you know my thoughts on Nikhil Harry. We don't have to rehash those today, Alyssa. You know, there's not enough time. Not enough time for me to go on my Nikhil Harry rant. <laughs> Um, but you no. did a whole podcast about yeah. Nikhil Harry. But knowing me, yes, yes. Uh, sorry, Bears fans listening. I am a Patriots fan. And uh, yes, Nikhil Harry will probably catch three touchdowns and be like mossing people. And he'll be freaking unbelievable in this one ball game after he couldn't catch anything with the Patriots. But yeah, no, I mean, I'd rather see Nikhil Harry, Nikhil Harry than Dante Pettis right now. And yeah, uh, I understand Pettis is probably a fringe guy and you're probably counting on him too much due to injuries. I get it. But Give me more Valus Jones. I, I want more of this guy, more more of the kid you drafted to be in in the lineup. And yeah, maybe you're easing Valus Jones back, but I think now's the time. No, we've seen enough of Dante Pettis. Let's move on. Let's also move on to question number two. Uh, despite continuing tr- uh, struggles, Alyssa, to put it lightly, Sam Mustafer, uh, you know, I think he's a hot button topic on Bears uh, Bears fans on Twitter at least. Bears fans are done with Sam Mustafer. Uh, he played all fifty snaps. He fl- he played all fifty snaps at center including playing all 50 snaps after this uh, that errant snap that could have been a disaster. Uh, luckily, it was recovered by Justin Fields, right? But still, no Lucas Patrick. He never rotated over from guard. Uh, the Bears actually did hold up pretty well overall. I think Eberflus was singing the offensive line's praises a little bit. It was, it was better. Uh, Braxton Jones and Tevin Jenkins at tackle. Uh, so what do you think? Are fans going to get their wish? Fans that are done with Sam Mustafer at center that are... They want to see what it looks like with Lucas Patrick. Are they going to get their wish, Alyssa? Or has Iberflus found his O-line combo that he's going to stick with? What do you think? I mean, the fact that Ryan Poles went out this offseason and signed Lucas Patrick to be the center, to replace him, it is, I think it is strange. says it all, yeah, right? It is strange. I mean, and, and the fact that Lucas Patrick, obviously, if he doesn't break his thumb, you know, he's still the center heading into the season throughout training camp, the preseason. So, I mean... You've seen how Sam Mustafer has been this season. And I mean, he's been a liability dating back to last season when he started all 17 games at center too. And you look at, I'm looking at his PFF grades right now. And, you know, we're talking about protecting Justin Fields is the most important thing because he needs to feel comfortable back there. We see what happens when he feels comfortable in the pocket, right? As evidenced by his performance against the Vikings. And Sam Mustafer, we talked about last week. Remember he had the 1.5 pass yeah, blocking uh, I was grade? Say one. He got a grade season, of one out of 29.3, which is again, unacceptable for him. And like you said, that that mistake when when Fields is going to audible and, and and he snapped the ball and it could have been just like very costly. I mean, technically, I think it was costly because I think they were trying to build momentum there, obviously. And that drive was over before it even started after that. So, I mean, but like like you said, fans have, have had it out for Mustafer since last season. And, you know, I, w- I would say that they can make a change. But Cody Whitehair landing on IR with that knee injury, I think that complicates matters because I think as soon as Lucas Patrick was back and ready to snap the ball. They're gonna they would move him back to center, and then they would keep Tevin uh, Tevin Jenkins at right guard, and obviously Whitehair's there would be there at left guard. But now that Whitehair is out for at least the next three games, that complicates matters, you know. But I mean, it, it's been rough for Mustafer. I mean, he had a better pla- um, one of his best pass blocking grades in this game, but again, not perfect. And, and he's been a liability at times for this offensive line. So I mean, I would like to see change. But I think going back to what I said before, the fact that Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus, when they evaluated this roster before the start of the season, were like, now we need a new center. And the fact that 
the only reason Sam Esper is at starting at center is because Lucas Patrick got hurt. So, I mean, I think we'll see eventually. I don't see Sam Mustafer here next season. I think that Ryan Poles is going to try to overhaul this entire offensive line uh, when he has the cap space to do it and the draft capital. So, you know, and they drafted Doug Kramer in the fifth round this year, and he was someone that was backing up Lucas Patrick, you know, during uh, minicamp and OTAs and all that. And he's someone who, you know, they probably would have tried out at this point. I think even after like the second or third game, but again, he's on IR with an injury. So your options are very limited here. So at this point, I feel like they're stuck with Sam Mustafer until possibly Cody Wayhair comes back. We don't know when that's going to be, but at minimum, he has to miss the next three games. So I inadvertently talked over you, Alyssa. Just give us, give the listeners the, um, the overall grade for Mustafer again, just in case it wasn't, it wasn't clear. The overall grade for him, including run blocking and, and pass protection, is a 51, but his pass blocking grade is 29.3 for the season. Okay. So, yeah, that's okay. a recipe for success for a young quarterback, for sure. Yeah, right up the middle, right at, right in your face, Justin. Yep. Coming, the pressure coming right in your face. Uh, question number three, Alyssa. Are you a garage sale person? Like, if you're walking around the neighborhood or you, and you see a garage sale or yard sale, whatever, whatever they call it out there in Florida, um, are you like, let me, <laughs> let me check this out? Or are you like, nah, no, keep your junk. I don't want anything to do with your old junk that you have out in your yard. Like, are you a garage sale uh, girl? I mean, yeah, I'll stop and, and take a look at a garage sale. But again, if you know, I don't like what I see, then I'll quickly move on. Okay. Okay. So there could be an NFL equivalent to a garage sale happening over in Carolina, right? They're now paying Matt Rule millions of dollars to go play golf. They've they fired the head coach this year. That was obviously, I mean, this week, that's been a big uh, storyline. They've also canned leadership on offense, defense, and special teams. They're cleaning house, it seems like, right? Baker Mayfield, he's now out for multiple weeks with this sprained ankle. They seem like they're in full tank mode. Alyssa, I've heard all these reports that teams like <clears throat> the Buffalo Bills look out are knocking on the door for Christian McCaffrey and, and kind of gauging interest in a trade there. This could be a full yeah, if the on... Bills get, if the Bills get Christian McCaffrey, for, my goodness. Good God. <laughs> good God, right? Uh, yeah, just another guy to just be wide open catching passes from Justin uh I mean Justin yeah, yeah. Josh Justin Josh Fields <laughs> from Josh Allen I, I was trying to say I, I hope that Justin Fields becomes Josh yes. Allen that would be my greatest good lord. my greatest wish <laughs> good lord uh so this could be a full-on garage sale for the Panthers right as they wave the white flag and tank so here's the question after a, a long preamble there and me stumbling over myself Alyssa the Panthers have He's a stud. It's a stud underutilized receiver this year in DJ Moore. I love this player. I think he's excellent. The Panthers just extended him this offseason with $41 million guaranteed over three years. I don't know if that complicates things. Uh, but the Panthers can't cut him, right? So the only way they would move him is for, via trade. Uh, and the Bears need a wide receiver one. We've continued to talk about this, right? Can't have Dante Pettis and kill Harry running around trying to catch passes. It's not a good thing. So if you're Ryan Poles... Are you picking up the phone and just kicking the tires on DJ Moore, seeing what the price is, or are you biding your time until the offseason and letting this thing play out, right? And, and waiting till that big 2023 offseason when you have all that cap room kicking in. What do you think? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, normally I would say, you know, wait till 2023 and you have all that cap space, like you said, and go out. But, you know, the wide receiver market and free agency is going to be limited unless something happens. I mean, we still have a lot of season left to go. But at the same time, the fact that we're talking about Justin Fields' development here in his second season, and we've seen how he has no help outside of Darnell Mooney at receiver. So that's a move that you have to consider. So if I'm Ryan Poles, I'm definitely picking up the phone and calling to see, hey, Panthers, what do you want for DJ Moore? Like, I mean, that's a receiver that I think you bring him in 
he could be, obviously he'd be a number one receiver. You could move Mooney to the slot where he's been really good and just let him be the number two guy. Like he was when Allen Robinson was here, you know? So, I mean, but bringing in a weapon like that for Justin Fields, I think would go a long way because yes, we know the bears aren't competing this year. They're not contending for anything. So, I mean, Normally, I would say, no, let's wait. But again, we're talking about Fields' development, which is the most important thing of this season. So going out there and getting him a receiver like that to really help him and get this passing game going, you know, you have to call. that. that that's what you have to do as a general manager when you're looking to help out your potential franchise quarterback. You need to at least make the call, talk it out, see, see if you can make something happen. Can we really evaluate Justin Fields when Darnell Mooney's the only one trying to make plays for the poor guy? Again, Dante Pettis, two targets, two drops. Come on. What are we doing here? Go get DJ Moore. Yeah. If you can get DJ yeah, Moore, that, go get that thing. man. Like we, we talked about, Ryan, like all season, how like it's going to be hard to evaluate him fairly this season because he hasn't been put in a position to succeed. But then we see what like the Dolphins did for Tua Tagovailoa this offseason and going out and getting him that offensive line help and getting him the, the receiver. So like that's something that we can expect next season. But again, like Tua wasn't in this exact same situation that Fields is this season as I think we can agree the Bears have the worst roster in the league talent wise mm-hmm. I mean it's we, we you look at it in the money that they have invested at receiver and the money they have invested on the offensive line and that's not a recipe for success especially when you have a quarterback in a pivotal second season who again is learning his, his second offense as he's entered the league and someone who isn't used to experiencing loss uh, especially uh, demoralizing losses you know at his in his college and high school career. So, I mean, like at this point coming off that game against the Vikings, you're, you're seeing that hope. If you can go out there and get a stud receiver for him again, that's going to help his confidence and you can really open up this passing game. Yeah. You're going to have to throw money at whatever receiver you go after, right? You are gonna have to throw a bunch of money at him anyway. So go get DJ Moore, figure it out, get some mathematician in to restructure this and do that, whatever, move the cap money around. You can figure it out. Ryan Poles. You're, you could definitely do that. Come on, go get me DJ Moore. Um, all right, rant over about the wide receivers. Coming up next, we're going to give you takes on, of course, the Thursday night football game between the Bears and the Commanders. But we're also going to give you take the orange on orange unis. I want to get Alyssa's take on the alternate uniforms the uh, Bears are going to be sporting. All right, the, the line has moved in Washington's favor. So we're going to talk about that. The, we're getting the odds from Tipico. The Bears are favored. But they're not favored by very much. So Alyssa and I are going to make our pick on the Thursday night football game. But obviously, we're we're talking here this week that Thursday night game is going to come and go pretty quickly. So we're going to talk about some other topics in this segment before we get to the game. We will make a pick. Uh, but people are going to know by the weekend, Alyssa, whether we were right or wrong pretty quickly. Thanks to that Thursday night game. So we'll see what happens there. The Bears are breaking out the orange on orange, right? So the orange helmets. What do you think? What do you think of those photos? Do you think they're fire or do you think, uh, nah, I'm not loving this? See, like, with the uniforms, I mean, my favorite's always white on white. Like, I've loved that look. They haven't worn in a while. The orange, I've liked the orange uniforms, too. I mean, because you either love them or you hate them. So I've always liked the orange jersey. When I saw the, the, the helmet, too, like, I actually like the orange helmet. And a lot of people who are at training camp where they actually had the helmet there said it looked a lot better. Like, maybe the coloring and the pictures that they released just was, like, off. But, I mean, I'm not a fan of the orange helmet and orange jersey. Like, that would be something where, hey, you wear, like, a white jersey, white pants, orange helmet. I'm liking that combination. Mm. Uh, Or even, like, a blue jersey. So, like, I mean, I I, I like the helmet. 
but also I don't like the combination. If that makes sense. No, I'm but very, like, I'm very like happy you're saying I mean, this. But go on, go on. I'm I'm happy this is but where I mean, the but, conversation. But it's not as good as the classic uniforms that they wore, like from the '40s. Like I mean, I'm or not the '40s. Um. Uh, from the 20s and actually the ones in the 40s too which they haven't worn in a while but you know i've been a fan of some of those throwbacks i mean the the orange helmet and orange jersey eh. i don't like it <laughs> i'm on so, the fence <laughs> so um i want to get i need to see it in person right because or not in person but you know i need to see it on on the field on tv uh, i need to see it on the field because the pictures i don't like yeah the pictures i'm seeing i don't like at all uh, i'm just like ooh boy that's hideous i don't like it at all it's too much orange yeah yeah it's just and it's not bears like i'm I don't know. I just I'm I'm an I'm a nerd. Like I like the old blue with the with the orange trim and the white the white letters and the and the bear symbol on the helmet and the blue helmet. Like I just I like that. You know, I kind of like that. I'd rather do that than wear all orange or like you said do the color rush white thing. I do like all oh, white on white looks good on any team. Any team wants to go white on white. It's like mm, that that does that's sharp. That looks good. Orange on orange. It's like, oh, man, what are we the what are we Oregon? Are we the Oregon Ducks now? You know what I mean? Like I, I think it's gonna be too much for me. I think it's gonna be hideous. I think it's gonna be hideous. Uh, but yeah. but you know, hideous uniforms for a hideous game, right? Everybody was making fun of this game, Alyssa, a week before it even happened, right? Like people are watching Broncos Colts and they couldn't get Bears Commanders out of their mouths, right? On Twitter, at least, everyone was crapping on bears commanders because broncos colts were so bad last thursday so this can't be any worse could it uh, i i'm hoping i think it's gonna be a better game that we got last thursday between broncos colts that freaking game you know it's hard to imagine that this game could be worse than than broncos colts i mean obviously the bears and, and, and commanders are two bad teams right now but at the same time they both have an opportunity to go out there and build off some of the, the positive things that they've been able to accomplish because i mean you look at the commanders who they were they should have won that game last week against the titans but fell short, right? After winning their first game of the season, they lost four straight. They're in shambles. And this is an opportunity I think that the Bears can take advantage of. I mean, even at the start of the season, looking at the three primetime games that they had, you know, the Packers, uh, the Commanders, and the Patriots, I was I, cir- I had this game circled because I'm like, this is their best chance to go out there and win a primetime game because, man, it has not been pretty for the Bears in primetime over the last few years. So, You have Justin Fields coming off the best game of his season, you know, potentially his career, his young career, because, again, it wasn't pretty last year. So this is a chance where the Bears can go out there and maybe play a full game. You know, we talked about how they're a second half football team, and it makes you wonder what could this team accomplish if they're able to play an entire game from start to finish. Uh, And I think they really have a good opportunity to do that now, start fast, finish even stronger. So I mean, I, I this is probably getting into our next segment, but where I'm making my pick. But I mean, I think I have to go with the Bears here. Yeah, this is one of those gettable games we discussed back on a uh, schedule day over the summer, right? This was this is one of them, and it's working out that way. Carson Wentz, he's one of the he's he is the most sacked quarterback in football, and so it's no surprise that he has this shoulder issue coming into the game. I mean, he he'll hit these deep passes here and there but other than that it's not very it's not like an efficient well-oiled machine this Washington offense. I I like the Bears at home. I like their defense in this one. Interesting though, the line on Tipico has moved in the Commanders favor, Alyssa, which is interesting to me. The Bears now I saw I saw it I saw it earlier on. The Bears were one and a half point favorites over the Commanders. The line has now moved a full point to a half. So the Bears are a half point favorite over Washington. Like I want to jump all over that. I think the bears are going to win this thing outright. They're only a half point favorite. So that's basically a money line bet that you're getting decent, you know, decent odds are, I think the odds on Tipico are 
minus 115. Usually it's minus 110, but now it's minus 115 for the half point. I'm jumping on the Bears there. I like the Bears. I like them at home. Uh, And I don't like this Washington team at all. I don't like Carson Wentz. (laughs) I think the Bears should be able to get after him, make some plays on defense. And I think they should be able to go win this ball game, Alyssa, in those horrible orange on orange uniforms. That's what I'm predicting. I mean, they've had some ugly wins, right, against uh, the Niners and uh, and the Texans. So, I mean, now they had the ugly uniforms go with it. But, yeah, <laughs> no, like you're saying, I'm going to take the Bears here outright. I mean, half a point, it, it it's like you're begging me to take that bet. I yep. mean, normally the home team gets three, and, like, for some reason people are more confident in the commanders. I mean, even coming out of that game, I mean – I mean, I wasn't sure who I was going to pick, but you know, when, you know, when crap plays crap, take the home crap. So, I mean, I guess I'm gonna go with that anyway. So give me the bears outright. Hell of a line right there from Alyssa Barbieri. Check her out on bears wire. Always great stuff going on there. And then of course, after this early Thursday night game, there'll be tons of post game stuff for you to devour uh, before sitting back and watching some football on Sunday. Do you take a, like a vacation this weekend, Alyssa? Like what happens for you? Like you're not, Sunday's not really a work day for you anymore, right? What what are you doing on Sunday? Yeah, well, Sunday I'm going to do like a little post where I kind of look at some of the games, you know, that Bears fans should be watching, you know, upcoming opponents, divisional rivals, and I'm going to sit back and enjoy some football. I mean, it's it's not often where I get to sit back and watch some good games, you know, because having to cover the Bears, most of them are pretty bad. So when you get to sit down there like at a primetime game or even just take a whole Sunday and watch some good football, I mean, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, well, let's hope Thursday some good football. Because I have a feeling, Alyssa, if the Bears lose this game to this, oh. to this Washington team, it's going to be ugly, and it's going to be in very ugly fashion. And so let's hope we see some good football on Thursday uh, and then get on with our lives over the weekend. Should be good times. Uh, again, subscribe. Get us on your phone. This podcast posts every Thursday. You can catch us. Our new episodes will pop up right on your phone. You could listen to us at the gym, walking the dog, going to the garage sale, Alyssa, the, the garage sale in the neighborhood. You could listen to us. Whatever. Maybe wherever. I'll do that on Sunday. Yeah, I mean, there you go. Sunday there morning. you go. I have to work in the morning. <laughs> go to the garage sale. Look for DJ Moore. Just do that thing. So, uh, yeah, wherever, whatever you're doing, whatever you do when you're listening to the podcast, the Bears Wire right on your phone. Subscribe for us and tell a friend. Um, I'm Ryan O'Leary for Alyssa. Thanks for joining us. We'll catch you next week. Bear down. This USA Today Sports Podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week.